Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to another edition of Keep Lefty, program at Victorian Labor College. In the studio is Kevin Healy, however reluctantly, and uh, as our guest this week is John Lafferty. And uh, so welcome to the show, John. Yeah, thanks for that, Chris. And uh, that's right. No, they you just leave. That's about it. That's it. We've got the new microphone. So, well, uh, over the weekend, of course, we had the election, and uh, subsequent to that, of course, Tony Abbott staged a desperate and fairly self-contradictory con- uh, media conference to reset his government in the face of mounting public hostility. The fact that there's a deepening economic crisis and an increasing pressure from the corporations and the media elite to to deliver the austerity uh, regime that the big business wants. They want you and I to pay for everything. The Prime Minister vowed to pursue the budget's plan to impose a $7 upfront fee to see a doctor, although some of his colleagues seem to have other ideas about whether this was still a goer. Uh, his apparent abandonment of the fee triggered a revolt with several cabinet ministers, none of whom, of course, he'd consulted. So um, it was nice to see him in difficulty, and it he. Well, I think, in fact, I was thinking the uh, the hmm. only in terms of the things they can't get through Parliament, the only thing the Minister for Private Education has learned this year in Christopher Pine or Christopher Payne in there, as we call him, hmm. um, is that he's learned a few lessons himself this year, actually, about uh, being a dunce or something, hasn't uh, Well, he? right, but he's... He humility. Just, he humility. Pers- I think hmm? he's learned a little bit of humility. Oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 Don't go too far. No, that's right, that's <laughs> right. I mean, he, he's got the... Even the manner of speaking is that of a spoiled public schoolboy. You know, the OLP are absolutely Who is this John Leopardy? That's right. This is a man, this is a man... Christopher Pine, he managed to live through the 1970s and not know who Lou Reed was. Really? I didn't. <laughs> well, that's enough to condemn him. Well, he was busy chasing a seat. He was busy listening to Abba, he confessed to it. Really? He insists that he would stick... Oh, do you want everyone a cup of tea? <coughs> John wants a cup of tea. No, Chris? Oh, you know, uh, please, I, yes, uh, yes. Awesome we'll have the sound of urine. The urine again, I suppose. Uh, Abbott insisted he'd stick to his plan A to get all the budget measures through Parliament, including the deregulation of higher education, which is very attractive, of course. It means now that to get a degree, it's going to cost you 100000 bucks, which you'll owe for the rest of your life. Is it a higher purchase plan? Uh, a higher Well, it's sort of like that because you're paying interest. That's right. Uh, pay, you pay interest. Well, at one point, you're going to pay market rates. Now it's just going to be indexed to inflation. But it still means that a young person, 22, is going to end exit university before they've bought a house, before they've done anything. They're going to have a debt of up to $100,000. I'm sure Christopher Payne's friends will have the daddy pay off. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. Sure. So he, he won't be. Yeah. Oh, he won't be worried. Him. He won't be worried. Um, and these, this is a generation that actually got free education through the. Um, mm. the in fact, last night I went to a Spirit of Eureka dinner, and mm. um, Rob Starry won the well, Eureka Award, and and in speaking he made the point that he. Uh, 
he was raised in Maidstone in an absolute working class family mm. and he only got to become a solicitor because of Whitlam because he got free education his family was so poor he got a grant as well and he you know he said his working class background is why he takes on the sort of cases he does but uh, really interesting that he, right. you know, he's another product of that free system. well he at least but, remembers yeah, it a work, well a working class kid who couldn't have got where he got without that free education system no well that's right well, now he's a big help to all sorts of causes as a lawyer right 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 well universities now even by the 1990s I was last there in 1990 the composition of the university reminded me when I first went you know back in the early 60s that we're, we're public school boys uh, overwhelmingly boys public school boys were the majority and, and indeed I, I did law in the 60s myself and I didn't last long I walked out but, oh, did you? but I walked out be, at, up at Melbourne because I realised what a pack of Dick's lawyers were. They were all up to themselves. It was, a, it was upper end of town at that time. No community law or any of that sort of stuff. Oh, no, no, no. And I just thought, I can't stand this, and off I went. But well, I couldn't stand it either, but I had to wait four years after yeah. practising to realise I couldn't stand me either. <laughs> well, for, my part, for my part, I was a high school dropout. Were you? Uh, oh, well. well and don't say you could tell. What are you doing on this programme? <laughs> that's right, that's right. Now, this is university educated only, this programme. Well, Abbott admitted breaking election promises, named most notably by slashing funding for the country to public broadcaster. But he declared that the broken vows were necessary because things have moved on, apparently overnight. Yes. Apparently the night before the election, it wasn't going to cut the ABC, but... 12 hours later, 12 hours later after the election, things have got well, things suddenly worse. because on Monday, Hockey said the economy was in great state. It's going to be even better next year. Wednesday, a report came out, and he said, Jesus, the economy's in the shit. And, right, uh, right. So, so in two is days, that... he had it at opposite ends of the spectrum, which shows he's on top of his portfolio. Obviously. That's right, covering all options. <laughs> That's right. Angela Merkel didn't do him any favours. She was telling everyone how good the Australian economy was. Oh, was she? <laughs> he was trying to deliver his message. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Crisis. Well, um, of course, the media media event, Abbott's media event, came on amidst plunging prices for Australian capitalism's major exports, coal, iron, ore and liquefied gas, and numerous warnings that the nation's income and budget revenues are falling faster than previously imagined. Of course, under these conditions, the corporate media's response to Abbott's press conference generally raised from sceptical to scathing. Abbott in Wonderland was the title of one comment by the Australian Financial Review editor Laura Tingle. His attempt to appear tough did, quote, nothing to persuade voters who were listening that his government has indeed got its policy settings right. In fact, The Age, the Australian read two editorials. The first one welcomed the fact that Abbott had listened to their previous editorial, it's nice to be listened to, which insisted that he must regroup, trust himself and speak with purpose, which is presumably what he was attempting to do this week. The editor editor then got to the, the nub of the matter, that the Abbott government must deliver vital reforms, taxation, social welfare, federalism and workplace relations. Now, you know what all those mean. So they want social welfare recipients to get more money. Uh, that, that's all. I just thought, <laughs> just in case you you stumbled into that trap. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get more money. <laughs> they fooled you. They fooled you. So a uh, higher taxation, less welfare, federalism, what that means, workplace relations. In other words, what this amounts to is a further wholesale assault on living standards and the basic rights of the working class. The Australian said the government needs a second term in office, but it made the point that unless he did better, he was going to be squandering the mandate, uh, the mandate to break his promises, presumably, it was given. 
The second editorial was called no, Failure... No, I'm sorry, as I said to you last week, mm. uh, they doubt tell us that governments in this position have to make the difficult decisions and the the um, the unpopular decisions. And as we said last week, his are all unpopular, so he's doing a great job of that. That's right. <laughs> he's pleasing everybody. Yeah. Um, the, the Australian denounced the failure of the faltering political class, including Abbott, to overcome a national denialism about living beyond their means. Now, what, they, what they mean is that uh, the poor and uh, the poor and the working class are requiring too much of the national cake. I mean, they actually want pensions. They, uh, and they want an education. Oh, and uh, some of them even want a roof over their head. And some... Oh, and this is but where the denialism comes in, is it? And every street in Australia has a gutter in it. Well, that's right. And they still want a roof over their head. That's right, that's right. That's right. There's no end to their greed. No, no. no greed. And so no more opportunity, says the editorial, must be squandered to tell voters that the party is over. Christ, where was the party? The party's over. I'm, <laughs> it's time to call it a day. Alleged rampant spending had gone to st- has has to stop. They said rampant spending. Have you noticed this on pensions, hospitals, Medicare, childcare, schools, universities, families, payment of disability? Have you noticed Joe this? Joe Hawkey was just advising everybody a couple of days ago that we've got to spend up big for Christmas. Mm. And in fact, the the list you just gave us, the rampant spending is uh, is on all those areas for which government has responsibility to spend. Well, that's why we we elect the buggers to do this. Um, Well, some of us do. The Australian Financial Review's editorial was entitled The Crisis of Australian Politics. Now, what these anti-democratic rumblings show Mm. is that there's frustrations in the ruling class with the parliamentary instability Mm. produced by Abbott and Company uh, in part caused by the discontent and opposition to the working class. So the ruling class are having difficulty getting through their agenda, mm-hmm. whereby you suffer a, a much lower standard of living to make sure that we can compete with Bangladesh on the international yeah. market. And, of course, your use of the word democratic, although you did put an un in front of it, but your use <laughs> of the word democratic, um, it's interesting because business people and have been saying that the, the other parties have to pass the government's budget. Isn't it terrible they're holding it up because the government was elected to do what it's doing and we have to represent democracy. They were elected democratically, therefore we must abide by the will of the people. Uh, Even Abbott, if they said they're going to do exactly the opposite well, of what they're going to do. It's irrelevant, Chris. And, yeah, of course. and Abbott, Abbott says exactly the same thing. I, you know, I was elected, you've got to you know, you've got to write, you've got to, got to pass, you can't hold me up. And he would never do that himself in opposition. Not enough for a moment. Um, uh, on Monday, or in fact about 10 seconds after it became apparent Labor was going to win on Saturday night, big business came out and there's a headline in Monday's Spin Review, Keep East West Link Business, and the business saying this, uh, and Abbott himself coming out and saying it, that despite the democratic wishes of the Victorian people, Business are saying the government should ignore ignore that and still build the east-west link because we need it because it's going to ease congestion. It's going to create all the usual crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Abbott's saying, you know, the the grant that the previous Labor government gave for public transport in Melbourne, which he then converted to the city link, yes. will not go back to public transport. It's east link or nothing. Or east nothing, west link yeah. or nothing. Isn't it um, strange that when business says something as here with this headline you've got in front of you, keep east-west link business. 
It doesn't say anything about who the businesses are. And oh, it, just it does. Seemed, it does. Well, yeah, but it does later. But I don't read all of that. Come no, on, okay. I just read right. the headline. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's Tim Piper. I'm just typical. Tim Piper of the Chamber of Profits. No, the, the thing is, the way it's written, it's like it's a statement of fact. Oh, it's it is. A, it's a, it's a, you know, it's like it's come from the Sermon on the Mount. You know, yeah. it's a statement. Keep east-west linked. Whether you agree with that or disagree with that, this is because it's business. Imagine if it was the union saying that. Well, of course. But but the main beneficiary of the east-west link is business. I mean, this is designed for the trucking companies. Well, just in case you're uh, you're worried about all this... um, James McKenzie, who's not the James McKenzie here at 3CR, but he's a prominent company director, he came out on Tuesday, in fact he said it on Monday, it was Tuesday's paper, business has nothing to fear from a Labour government in Victoria, Chris, so in case you were pretty worried... I was, uh, I was. uh, Rest assured, rest assured. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other thing thing that uh, I assume you you both watched, did you watch the elections on Saturday night? I was... was yeah, I was walking out. You were working. Was, well, you missed the chance to watch disappointed liberals, and that's right, always yeah, well, that's nice. Always right, to that's see that's people always who right. think they're, give, they're born that's to right. rule yeah. suddenly realising that perhaps their birthright is being dishonoured. It's great to watch the loser lose. It yeah. is, particularly when they're sort of such yeah. swine. Yeah, and also the fact that Mary, whatever her name, who's Waldrich, who's one of the less repulsive, uh, mm. and she's got a lot of competition, but... Uh, less repulsive uh, liberal party member. No, it's less wouldn't concede. Very little opposition. Well, that's right. <laughs> wouldn't concede. I mean, when when it was obvious to everybody that oh no, there's still a chance. There's still some votes not counted. I mean, yeah, give us a break. The thing 80, is, eighty seats to one, and oh, we uh, still got a chance. <laughs> she must be a gambler, yeah. But uh, I think you know, like people more and more are voting against governments and they're voting against political parties so you are going to see an awful lot more people who are going to be happy on election night by seeing the losers lose whoever they are yeah so yeah I, that is part of it that i do always enjoy well, there, yes. were a few, there were a few moments when jane garrett looked like losing brunswick and i thought christ but once my brunswick? vote might count right but yes it, but it didn't no 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 <laughs> no money in northcote no money in northcote no yeah. Well, for a, there was a brief moment in the night when they said the Greens might win Brunswick, but it lasted, yes, I know. It lasted about yeah. 10 minutes. Yes, that's right. And Richmond, there was talk And of. Richmond and Peran? Yeah. Pra- I think it was Peran. Yeah, yeah, Pra-, 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 Pra depended on who ran second out of Labour and Greens. Yeah, it was very even. Yeah. Pra- yes, yeah. yes, they were a bit unlucky. It comes down to preferences. And uh, the other thing I thought was uh, struck me as really uh, curious, and curious for a number of reasons. You might remember six months ago, Bob Carr, Australia's mm. former prior, uh, foreign minister. He wrote a book. He, he wrote a book. And he got massive publicity all over the place. People were interviewing him, giving his views, etc., etc., etc. But just recently, he's come out, which was published in an editorial uh, opinion piece in The Australian. He's now declared his opposition to Israel's policies of apartheid and ethnic cleansing. Now, this is a complete reversal to what he was saying when he was foreign minister and, the, uh, as we know, the Labour government and the Liberals are completely in hock to the yeah. Israeli Zionist well, he, establishment. he formed the Friends of Israel or whatever in the parliamentary... He area. did in 1977. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Is he actually using those words or what are the words he's using? Well, I'm going to quote you the words. Okay. Yeah. His change of position was announced in a November 8th Australian opinion piece and what's amazing is that this has been not commented on or mm. publicised anywhere else and yet... Yes, it was. It was in Greenleaf Weekly. Oh, it? well, that's exactly what I'm <laughs> quoting from. <laughs> Apart from Greenleaf Weekly, that is. Um... 
And, I thought it was, yeah. And the, the piece was entitled, Why I'm Now a Friend of Palestine Rather Than Israel. In his piece, Carr points out that Israel's occupation of Palestinian territory in the West Bank and Gaza Strip has lasted for 47 years. And I'm quoting here. There are 500,000 settlers, he said. Up to 60% of the Israeli cabinet is on record as opposing a two-state solution. Palestinians have been part of a pre-process for 25 years. The reality is settlers won't move. The Israeli government won't force them. So an indefinite occupation morphs into the extremist goal of a greater Israel, with one catch. It will have two classes of citizens, as Carr points out. The word for such situation is apartheid. In 1977, when we launched Labour's Friends of Israel, we knew to our disgrace none of this narrative. It's funny, we knew. That's right. uh, we knew, but he didn't know. We were debating it all back then. We, remember, I don't know if you were involved. We, it was a group of us used to meet quite regularly at Jeff Goldar's place in Caulfield yes. and debate the issues, in fact. Oh, right. Um, and um, and Jeff, of course, um, who sadly died of bowel cancer a number of years ago now. Yes, that's quite he, um, he was um, he, he came from a very strong Jewish family in, in Caulfield and was totally opposed to Zionism. He yes. Um, but a c- number of people, including... Bob Hogg was one of the people. He was very sympathetic to, to Israel. He was the one arguing against us most of the time. Really? Yeah. Right, so right. Israel's been doing this for 47 years. How many years has Bob Carr been in politics, including as the Premier of New South Wales? <laughs> Not that far. <laughs> Not that short. <laughs> he's had a long time that to discover the truth, but at least now he's left power. He's, he's, left he's, power. he's a slow learner. Right? He's a slow learner. He was being criticised uh, even for just saying, making some very mild comments in his book when the book came out. I think that was last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was you know, criticising the pro-Israel lobby. Well, he, he got was, attacked by Gillard he because attacked. he took a... He took a, mm. a, a mild pro-Palestinian. So I think, he, I think he decided we should take a neutral rather than, yes. a, than, a, than an aggressive, mm. you know, a positive stand. And he crossed her. Yeah, and mm. she got very upset. Well, there. Yeah. Because she gets advised, was getting advised by Hawk, I think. So yeah, so who, who, who sheds tears yes. over oh, Israel. That loathsome creature. Car, car, car continues. Now, he says, he said, 1977 when we launched Labour Friends of Israel, we didn't know any of this narrative. Now, Israeli historians have gone to the archives of their army to tell the full story of how massacres were used during the foundation of Israel in 1948 to drive out 700,000 Palestinians. Carr notes the inevitability of Palestinian resistance. Never heard of the Stern Gang and others? Hmm. King David Hotel. Well, it's all the droids of discovery for uh, Bob Carr. The Nobel Peace Prize winner, Bagan. That's right. <laughs> that was similar to the Nobel Prize of Kissinger. He was uh, another. And Obama. And Obama, that's right. Um, and I'll finish here with this with Carr again. No other colonial rule has survived, let alone with rich settlers on fortified hilltops with Los Angeles lawns. The wretched huddled in the gullies, their 12-year-old kids subject to military arrest and detention. Um, uh, Mark's going to turn down a bit. Turned up. Right, I've got to turn you buggers up and turn me down, which is all right. 
I was thinking that actually, but oh, I just didn't want to say. You do, know? We want oh, to start the do we want to start the show again? Yeah. <laughs> well, we <laughs> well, will. Well, well, guess you and me. We'll get yeah, Chris right. out. We, need, we, need, we need a mixer <laughs> in yeah, here. I think. We do, we do. They've heard Chris. So, uh, so it's interesting that Bob Carr has completely changed his view in accord with reality. It's just amazing, firstly, that it took him so long to do so, and more to the point, the fact that the media, apart from his, his, he made this contribution in Australia. Mm. Have you seen it in the, the age? No. I read the uh, age. Not, I just had it from you. Not a word. How long have I got? Not a word. What? If it wasn't, how long have I got to answer that? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, all right. Now, what did you want to do? I'm, well, on matters, on matters to do with religion, uh, Chris, which I know you always love to discuss. Oh, yes, I do. Um, yeah. Wonderful piece. In this morning's Financial Review, uh, there's a piece... Um, where Walsh, um, Sam Walsh, who's the head of Rio Tinto, mm-hmm. uh, on the same day Rio Tinto confessed, and confessed is an important word here, I think, it had rejected a one billion merger approach with Glencore. Walsh found himself in the same room as the man who wanted to take his job. The occasion was an ecumenical day of reflection on mining <laughs> at Lambeth Palace, the official residence of the Archbishop of Canterbury, following on from another day of reflection at the Vatican in September 20. 20- 2013, it was billed as a chance for mining companies to get Christian ethical input to their conversations about the future of their industry. Isn't that beautiful? Like, Isn't that just and, and can't you see beyond the Christian parody? Beyond parody, parody. Well, can't you see the Christian spirit shining through the mining companies? Oh, I, every oh. every time they uh, every time they open their mouths. I know that that is moderately amazing. Isn't it? I think there may be a contradiction there if you go back to these uh, gospels. Well, Maybe. Oh, generally greed is... Uh, you know, but greed. I hope you're not Being suggesting there's some contradiction in capitalism, John. That's right. That's right. Yeah. In fact, I often wonder in my naivety, when I was a devout Christian, that is 50 years ago, uh, I couldn't understand how could Christians support capitalism. Yes, it's a contradiction. It's a contradiction. I mean, here, a capitalism that values nothing nothing but money that mm. gives value to nothing but naked quote marks naked mm. cash value mm. is at the same time the most religious well, I, I, used hear, that I used to hear B.A. Santa Maria um, oh, you know, saying we might, you must love your neighbour the Christian and Christian ethics must that run society part, as long as he's not a communist yeah, right. and he'd sit there he pouring, pouring, pouring the greatest vitriol on communists yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Bob Santa Maria. Point of view. I remember. Yes, a point of view. That's right. I'm a, I'm the danger in, of Marxism-Leninism. A very independent point of view. I think one time he saw a smashed phone box and he managed to trace that back to the hand of Moscow. Oh, did he really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Well, they haven't forgotten because I went to a there was a there was a um, a, a two day conference at Parliament House a few years ago for the 50th anniversary of the split mm. and a number of the old groupers were there and one of them actually got up and, and still saying that um, work was held up on the MCG before the Melbourne Olympics because it was orders 56. from Moscow orders yeah. from oh, Moscow really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. and he's 50 years later he's still saying yeah. <laughs> uh, who was it won that match between the Soviets and the Hungarians why didn't they tamper with that <laughs> that's, that was the water polo, yeah, the that's, water right, polo. that's right they drowned each other <laughs> Well, um, the other thing we should mention, which is less funny, is Scott Morrison's attempts to get his... There's a minister for... Uh, humility? What? Humility? The, oh, no, not the minister no? for humility. No, okay. The, the minister for oppressing refugees. He as He's, uh, at the same time as he's trying to get legislation through, which will basically condemn 
the refugees, who, by the way, aren't criminals. Well, it's, it's a legislation that effectively attempts to, maybe a challenge it won't succeed, but it attempts to excise Australia effectively from the refugee um, responsibility. Yes. yes. So, mm. so, so the International Refugee Conventions, it's attempting to circumvent. Now, I think at, at court it might have trouble standing up, but nonetheless, that's what it's all about. Well, yes, of course it is. And at the same time, actually on Manus Island, a uh, hundred asylum seekers and refugees have gone on hunger strike. And uh, four have actually sewn their lips together because Scott Morrison's legislation would see them stuck indefinitely on Manus Island. And I don't know whether you've seen some of the photos from Nauru, photos of the living conditions of these people. They are just unbelievable. Filthy, filthy, filthy toilets, filthy rooms, apparently disgusting food for which they've got to queue up internally for. And be charged when, they send, when they're sent away. They, they get charged accommodation, don't they? When they oh, do they? They, do they? Yeah, well, I yeah. mean, you know, this, uh, if you just, it was, you wouldn't house animals in, in, in what these photos show. But we're show. talking, about no, we're talking proper, about no proper papers, queue jumping mm. illegals here. Yes, of course. Not human beings. No, no, no. no I, I realise that. Uh, the, the, no one's ever told us where the queue actually is. That's right. <laughs> they, a long way away. A they, long way away. You know, they won an election largely with the slogan, Stop the Bots. Well, that's right. You know, that's right. just pumped the three-word slogan. Stop the boat, stop the boat. Well, that's it. Some uh, in, in which case, I think Abbott was 50% correct, because this week he said, mm. at the start of the year, our two main aims were to stop the boats mm. and the budget. And I thought, well, they've both been stopped. So, you know, he's going well. He's happy. <laughs> stop the budget. <laughs> the hunger strikers complain about being treated like slaves by the officers. They say all of their written complaints have been ignored. They often stay up all night in fear. There are 50 men to a room. And they're in these like Air Force metal things where the temperatures get up to 50 degrees Celsius. Well, you look at what mm. happened in there. It was in New Guinea. What happened a while back? Manus Island. Yeah. Manus Island. Well, that's New, New Guinea. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So no wonder they're in fear. The, the bathrooms and the toilets are filthy. The food's disgusting and they were forced to wait in uh, long lines. The uh, refugee bloke, uh, Breen, added that Scott Morrison is trying to sugarcoat his legislation, which effectively put much of the refugee policy beyond the reach of the courts, which is what you're saying, mm. and bringing back temporary visas. The sugarcoating offers nothing for those dem dumped on Manus and Nauru. While asylum seekers living in the community are desperate for work rights, Morrison's intention is that most of them won't get refugee status. Under this new legislation's fast-track process, many asylum seekers will be deported to danger because the definition of a refugee will be changed and appeal rights will be removed. So, uh, and unfortunately, this sort of policy gets support in Australia. How, can you just say for me, I don't know if you said it there, how's the definition going to be changed? Uh well, I don't know. I think we might have to wait for that. Uh, I think that we can say what the conclusion will be, mm. that you're not, you're not going to be staying here yeah, in well, Australia. You know, it's, a, it's an example. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, well, it's, it's pedantry as it's to how exactly they do it, I it's think. It's giving them the right to turn people back on the open seas, to assess them on the open seas, and it's well, they've done that already, haven't they? Yeah, they're doing that anyway, mm. but it's, it's sort of it's making that legal because oh, yeah. there's some question mark. Um, and it seems and that, a tad yeah, unfair. And it's you know it's and and so there's kind of retrospective. Yeah, and other areas where 
other areas where the, where where they are really outside the convention, where they're trying to make themselves legal, like holding people without. Um, processing and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. mm-hmm. And the other thing before we go, I, I had to, I have to ask John, what his view was on the Scottish independence? Do you think these should, shouldn't you remain part of the Queen's overall country? Well, you know, this whole idea that it should remain as a United Kingdom, I mean, this United Kingdom is a pretty, uh, you know, false, pretty arbitrary creation in the first place. So it's mm. only a tiny elite in England and Scotland who have created this. You know, there's no there's no elections there, you know. So uh, I think that the move towards independence, and I'm no nationalist, but it seemed to me that it was quite progressive. They were wanting to get rid of the nuclear base. There was there was some people who were wanting to pull out of NATO. This is stuff I would support. You yes, know? yes, and, quite. Uh, I do think there's, there's some people who I've spoken to, good people otherwise on the left, believed that this was some splitting of the work, the British working class. Yes. You know, of Scotland's to pull away. Mm. I don't see that it is. You know, I mean, we have connections. Australia has connections with New Zealand, with the US, wherever, different political groupings. You don't have to actually be in the same country. It's not like, I mean, they're in the same island. Well, we're an international world now. Yes, of course. You know, so this whole splitting of... And I'm sure they've probably got the internet. They they do have the internet in Scotland. Uh, Do they? they? (laughs) Sadly, these days, when you sing Solidarity Forever, there's far more solidarity in the the, um, business class than there is in the working class, of course. Uh, Absolutely. And and, and unfortunately... They know their class interests. Nationalism can, of course, be used. And this is, you know, like an, an economic crisis especially, you know, it can of course be used to split working class people. We all know that. Well, you know? To but do I don't it, believe yeah. that's the, that was the case here. Mm, right. I don't believe that's the case. Was, uh, anyway, I could go um, on. Do, do, yeah, go on. Uh, well, you know, well, I mean, ha- having these progressive politics, I believe that a lot of people in England could have actually seen the example of what's been done in Scotland because in England they're moving further and further to the right all the time. Mm-hmm. You see well, this. Well, the Labour Party over there is as much a disgrace as it is here. Yeah. I mean, what was the Labour Party? especially Gordon Brown, is now quit politics. He yes. was considered the standard bearer for the uh, keeping the union together, you know. Yes. So, yes, um, but, but, I mean, apart from that, if you look at the politics in England over the past few years, it's become a very insular mm. and mm. They're, they're moving to the right with well, the Tories yes. and now with UKIP. Oh, that's all the UK Independence yeah. Party. That's, yes, that's, that's getting into another area. Yes, then, yes, then. Yes. yes, and of course, getting back to that point, with the... the, the the freedom they talk about is freedom of capital, which can go anywhere it likes around yes. the world. But there's no freedom of individuals. You know, the refugee thing is a, is a classic example of oh, that. Where's their freedom? Where individuals can't, well, no freedom yeah, can't move from country to country, but capital can move within seconds at the press of a button. Well, Labor yes. can move from country to country when we want cheap Labor oh, through yeah. visas. In that case, they're okay. It's yes, it's okay yeah, there when, yeah. when they're prepared to Sp- work for nothing. Speaking of, um, of caring for Labor... Mm. As a liberal backbencher called Taylor, Angus Taylor, he was a big businessman, but he's now a backbencher, and he's a, he's, he cares. He says the most disenfranchised in our population are the unemployed, and to increase the number of people who are out of employment through these sorts of decisions is a travesty. It is time for the Fair Work Commission to recognise this and to show some concern and compassion about the extraordinary increase in youth unemployment bestowed on us by the previous Labor government. Now... This, the, these sorts of decisions which he's complaining about, here's a man who's compassionate about the unemployed, yes. is they're giving wage increases. Oh. And, the, and the headline is, higher wages kill jobs. Yes. <laughs> so if we didn't have higher wages, I'd like a man there'd be no unemployed. Right right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got it. It's your chance to call up. 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.